We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, driven by pioneer Ford Robinvale. It's worth the drive. It sure is. And on this Are You OK Day, we're very honoured to have another special guest. They keep coming from all over the country today. Uh, Anne Webster, where in the country are you on Are You OK Day? I'm in Mildura in my office, Jade. Hooray. And are you OK? Well, you know, it's the second time I've been asked it today. The first time I did actually well up with a little bit of tears. I've been going through... Um, uh, we sent out an email the other day. Many of your listeners, I hope, will have received it. Mm. And um, we've had seven over 700 responses so far. And the question that I raised with them was, how are you going in this restrictive lockdown world that we're currently living in? How are you going? What are the issues? And I have to tell you, Jade, I just feel so sad. Mm. It is so a, sad. Yeah. It's a bit like that. Seven hundred. Someone has mentioned to me today about the email that they received from you during the week, and um, yeah, seven hundred responses is phenomenal, yeah. isn't it? And it's seven hundred people telling their stories, and uh, you know, we've got people who have cancer who aren't getting treatment because they can't get across the border or because they're too afraid to go and see their doctor. We've got lots of people suffering um, with uh, mental uh, health issues because, I mean, fundamentally, people are depressed. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't get out. They can't see people. What we need are restrictions lifted in our low COVID or zero COVID uh, regions so that people can get back to work, get back to playing bowls, get back to their um, knitting clubs or their crochet clubs or, you know, whatever it mm. might be that people are involved in, get back to school. So, yeah. uh, yep, no, it's, it's huge issues. We just need the, we need the restrictions lifted. Yeah, we absolutely do. And it's one of those things that, you know, everyone has their own perspective on it. I was talking to someone the other day about their parents and they were even saying, you know, they're in their elderly parents and they're in their 90s and up until, you know, going back into stage three restrictions again, they were doing well, they were active, they were going to neighbourhood house, they were going, to, you know, to their knitting clubs and to senior sit centres and keeping their yep. minds active and now yep. it's a case of they're deteriorating right in front of their very eyes because all they can yep. do is sit and watch the TV and that is just not good for anyone's mental health at the moment. No, no it's not. And look, I have far too many people feeling that life is futile and, um, you know, uh, it's really concerning to me that uh, – this is a huge human toll. This is a livelihood toll, no question. This is an economic toll, you know, it's horrendous. But uh, the human toll in terms of people's well-being is extraordinary. And I think, you know, somebody's just written to me, tell Dan to run his numbers on that. Mm. And, um, I, I, you know, I fully appreciate that sentiment that there needs to be some Leveling up here, as you know, I, I was very pleased last night to hear that 550 doctors have signed an, a letter. 550 medical experts have signed a letter 
to Daniel Andrews to ask him to reconsider his lockdowns and his restrictions because uh, doctors have to have a broader view of people's well-being. And it does go beyond COVID-19. It goes to mental health. It goes to uh, weighing up the risks that are associated with all of the restrictions and the lockdowns. And I was just so pleased that those doctors have spoken up Mm. And uh, they haven't heard back from him, surprisingly. I was going to say, wow, that's a that's a really big shocker there, isn't it? Um, I tell you what, after Sunday, and I've had this conversation a few times from people on both sides of the fence, but after the announcement or the lack thereof on Sunday, I was left, and I don't offend easily, but I was left offended at the lack of regard, and I understand that Mr Andrews considers the regions to be Bendigo, Ballarat and Geelong. Well, that's fine. Let's talk about where we are out in rural and remote, if you want. Let's just change the language. There are people out here. We're not just numbers. And, you know, even the fact that we can't – and this is, again, a New South Wales issue, and maybe if he started to play ball with people on the other side of the the river – we just be, not being able to use the river to go in it to have the war, the weather start to warm mm-hmm. up and we are faced mm-hmm. with the summer of not being able to put the boats in, not being able to go camping. Mm-hmm. That is just mm-hmm. that's depressing enough in itself. Mm, absolutely, and I was on the cross border commissioner meeting this morning, um, fighting for that very issue, and also for uh, the Murray Downs Golf Club. We've had a lot of emails in from people saying, please. Can we play golf? This is ridiculous. We can in Victoria. Why can't we over in New South Wales across the border, across the river? And um, so that both of those things are being looked at. And when I say looked at, I mean they are seriously being looked at and how quickly they can both evolve. So I think watch this space is what I would say. And uh, I will continue to fight for both of those very reasonable, sensible, common sense things that need to take place. Yeah. I mean, if people want to play golf, they can always come to Robinvale. You can play golf here. (laughs) (laughs) And the course is looking lovely at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, well, your Swan Hill listeners, I'm sure, will be paying attention to that. Mm. Uh, It's uh, it's really important people can get out out in this gorgeous sunshine. Mm. Well, it's 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 nice to know that you are fighting for that because I think – but it's one thing, you know, I heard – this morning and yesterday on the news where Anastasia and Gladys are at one another and Gladys is, you know, having a go at Anastasia because of the unreasonable Queensland border shutdowns, but she's doing exactly the same thing to us here in Victoria. So I just find it really hypocritical and frustrating that, you know, she's not willing to play on both sides. What do you make of that? Well, I think uh, it, it does go to point out or highlight human failings in the sense that we can so easily pick up on somebody else doing the wrong thing, Mm. not so good at picking up on our own hypocrisy. Um, I I think it is a tendency that we all have. And uh, I I would hope that 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 would have been made plain to uh, Premier Berejiklian because uh, it's not nice when the boot is on the other foot, let's face it. No. Do you think there's any chance that we will have an announcement that you know we can at least use the like the border bubble thing? That's a positive move, but we still can't go oh, in the river. 
no, no, I absolutely think, I think it's just a matter of time and I just hope it's sooner rather than later because uh, we need a little bit of normalcy in our lives. Mm. Let's not talk about the new COVID normal, let's just talk about normalcy, mm. period. Well, that's that it. reminds me that you asked, last time when I spoke with you, you asked me about um, chew water being able to use, be used for recreational purposes and, you know, other needs. Mm. And uh, I said to you that I would contact um, Minister Lee and have a talk with her. I did talk with her about it and I also wrote her a letter at her request. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back from her about that particular issue. Oh, fantastic. I've actually got a notice of motion going to council that uh, not only us but we write to all of the other border club uh, councils and request the same thing. So uh, there yeah, might be a bit more I think noise. that would be good. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. would be good. So I've got that in for Tuesday's meeting. So do you yeah. think that's do you think that's a reasonable request? I've spoken to a few other MPs about it and they've Peter Walsh said to me yesterday that that was a good idea. So do you think it's possible? Uh, I don't know whether it's possible, but I certainly think it's a good idea. Mm. And um, you know, I mean there, I remember coming down to Kahuna. No, it was no it was Kahuna and uh sitting at a cafe there when we were allowed to do such things, uh, talking with a farmer who was presenting to me just how farmers, dairy farms in particular, um, uh, environmentally provide so much to our environment in terms of the way that they farm. And uh, I was very struck by that in terms of the bird life that they have and, and, you know, how it's all measured. I think, yeah, you know, we need to reduce the bureaucracy and increase the common sense when it comes to um, some of the rules and the law around green tape. Mm. And, you know, I think that also goes for how we are expending chew water. Mm. It'd be nice if common sense was to take over, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. It would. It would. It would. Do you think, honestly, in your honest opinion, that there is – any likelihood that Mr Andrews will move on decentralising this whole stage three COVID restrictions and considering remote and rural LGAs to be able to manage COVID outbreaks and, you know, in that same sort of decentralised New South Wales model, do you think there's any likelihood of that happening in Victoria anytime soon? I think what we've seen from Premier Andrews is a highly centralist approach to everything. That is deeply concerning for obvious reasons, I think, to your listeners. Um, There has been no um, willingness to decentralise things like tracing. Mm. That's all going to be done in Melbourne. Well, we are seeing how badly that has been handled and how it continues to be handled. Mm. I mean, the fact that um, the tracing mechanisms, you know, have been on paper and pen and fax machines and has not been digitised. As far as I know, it still has not been digitised. Somebody can correct me on that. Um, As opposed to New South Wales tracing system, which has uh, certainly been extolled by the Prime Minister Mm. as, you know, one to aim for. Uh, I am gobsmacked that the Victorian one has been handled so poorly and has led us to people having COVID and uh, not being traced for a week or more so that they can be infecting many others without uh, those people being told. So then they go out and infect others 
And, you know, it mushrooms, obviously. That's exactly what has happened. That's why we've had community spread. So it comes down to how things are managed, decentralizing and allowing LGAs or allowing whatever system is going to happen and work to whether it's PHNs or whether it's, you know, some mechanism whereby we decentralize some of that responsibility. Um, it can't be worse than what it is. No. That's exactly right. And there's no better contract trace, sorry, contact tracing method in remote and rural areas than the old Bush Telegraph because with yeah. the amount of, you know, the whole six cases that we've had from Swan Hill to Mildura, as soon as someone, as soon as there's notification that there's a case, within three and a half minutes, everyone knows who it is. Everyone knows where they've worked, where they work, and everyone knows where they've been for the past 14 days. Well, I think what was really pleasing about the last one that was in Mildura is that the family themselves owned up in the press. Mm. So it was, you know, the, the, the person was not in Mildura at all and, uh, in fact, had was down in um, Melbourne. And some of these COLAC cases, the fact that the person had actually collected COVID-19 while in hospital in Melbourne and brought it back to COLAC for his family, I mean, obviously not deliberately, mm. but brought the disease when he came home and his family were infected. I mean, that's atrocious. And that was Melbourne. Mm. Again, Melbourne. What can you say? Well, it's the centre of the universe, isn't it? Well, it is with COVID. (laughs) It is for certain people. Uh, How are you coping? We asked you at the beginning, um, so how are you coping with this whole – it is a stressful situation, particularly since the announcement on Sunday. I think everybody had a sense of optimism leading up to that and then it was crushing. So how are you coping with, you know, all of the emails and phone calls that you must be getting? Well, we are – I am uh, I am attempting to answer every email and um, because they are so – these are people's lives. You know, this is not data. This is people's lives and uh, it frustrates me deeply that the process of managing COVID has been so bureaucratised and real people's lives are just caught up in this um, uh, this chaos where our lives have been turned upside down with little to no justification in our regional, remote, call it what you will, rural settings. And, uh, yeah, look, I find that deeply frustrating, deeply frustrating. And, you know, when I hear that people have their parents, they were trying to get an exemption to go and see their parent who lives in South Australia or in New South Wales, and they weren't given a permit to see their parent while they were alive. They died in the, in the meantime. Some woman wrote to me yesterday and said that her mother was found dead in her home in Adelaide. Um, I mean, how do you deal with that? We're dealing with people's trauma and you know that's just one case out of I don't know how many it is heartbreaking in fact I've just said to all of my staff because we've got a fairly large system of managing um, the email influx because on top of that over 700 um, people who've responded there are also emails coming in obviously each day Mm. on top of those so uh, it is traumatic. It's traumatic to read how people's lives are being impacted. And I said to my staff, you know, you need to be able to utilise the counselling services that are provided for, <laughs> interestingly, parliamentary staff, but not MPs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, there is that. 
So, uh, I, you know, I just think um, that I'm doing an op-ed at the moment about the human toll of COVID-19. And um, to me, this is what it's about. I, 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 on, a, on a positive note, because I don't want to sound like it's all hopeless, but on a positive note, people that are writing to me talk about what they miss most. You know, and it's about the social interaction. It is about the bowls club. It is about being at work with my mates. It's um, people are missing people, mm. and I think that's a, that is, you know, um, it's got that it's that sweet and bitter thing about it. You know that it's so fantastic that that people in the country really appreciate people in the country, and they really appreciate their families. And you know, our human relationships are just absolutely paramount. And um, you know, and and that is the human toll at the moment. Mm, it is the human toll, but it seems the only thing being taken notice of are numbers on a spreadsheet, and I think that is where people are like, well, they feel really hopeless when the human toll isn't being taken into consideration. So, no, no the whole the whole picture. You know, at the same time, interestingly, I do have uh, look. It's a minority, a, a very small minority um, of people who say, no, I think Dan's doing a great job and we just need to let him do his job and you should be supporting him. You shouldn't be bagging him out. Um, look, my intention is not to bag out Daniel Andrews regardless of my personal views. My my point is to, I hope, look reasonably at a situation that is impacting, um, you know, 150,000 people in my electorate mm. uh, badly and to support them. My allegiance is to the people of Mali. It is certainly not to the Premier. No. And I, you know what? It's, again, you can have all the all the personal political views you want. On Sunday, I think he had a, a free kick, you know, make things, make things easier and better and, you know, more optimistic and positive for people. Out in country Victoria, you know, he had he had a free kick. He was lined up 10 metres in front, straight in front, ready to kick a goal, and he missed by about 30 metres. And I think that's just where people are so frustrated now. And they are, you know, taking it personally, I think. And that's where, you know, a lot of people are arguing. But there are those. I had a conversation with someone this morning that was still defending Premier Andrews, and everyone's entitled to an opinion, aren't they? Well, you know, I think the point is that we need to have a respect for um, COVID-19. We need to follow the uh, protocols around health and hygiene that we've been given. And I see that people in Mali have been extraordinary. You know, another person wrote to me and said, how ridiculous is it that a farmer's wife is walking down a lonely country road with a mask on? Mm. Nobody within two ways. <laughs> and, um, you know, how ridiculous is that? And um, people have been incredibly compliant and I think that that respect for COVID-19 needs to remain because it, we will have to live with it until we get a vaccine, but we need to be able to live with it and mm. until we get a vaccine. And at the moment we are being, we are being prevented from living our lives and that is not appropriate on any level, in my opinion. No, especially when it looks like the vaccine might be a long way off after the adverse reaction in the Oxford vaccine study that came out this morning. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, but I, look, there are 
plenty of um, irons in the fire. I'm not worried about it. I think that, um, you know, there is so much money on a global scale pour, being poured into a vaccine. We will get a vaccine mm. and, um, you know, like never before has money and effort and expertise been thrown at this thing. Um, my expectation is that we will get a vaccine, but it is the time and in the interim time we need to be able to live. And, uh, you know, there are an awful lot of decisions that are being made by unelected officials that are, you know, decimating regional and rural communities. And I just think it's wrong, mm. absolutely wrong. Is any of the the money and the resources being poured into, to your knowledge, being poured into a treatment? If we can't get a vaccine, are we doing some, some research on treating COVID? Yes. I, I'm not over it in terms um, – I'm not over the subject matter and what is being done where, um, but I am aware that there are some um, symptomatic treatments that are being used, um, but I think some of them are uh, controversial, shall we, shall we say. <laughs> not not Donald Trump's hydrochloroquine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Dynamo or whatever. Yeah. Hey, yeah. here's an interesting question, and this was one that came from Donnie yesterday. He today had to drive to Shepparton. He needs um, some chemical for his vines. Can't get it in Robinvale or Swan Hill. The closest place is Shepparton. Now, obviously, he doesn't have to cross the border, but is he allowed to travel to go and pick up things that are essential for his livelihood. Uh, yeah, no, he is. Mm. Um, but you, you need to also be aware of where the hotspots are and to declare that if you're wanting to then go over the border or do what you're wanting to do, that might mean that you have to quarantine. Um, so you know, I will check on that, though, and I'll get back to you because I have wondered that same question myself. People are going down to Melbourne, as we see from the family in Colac. Mm. People are going down to Melbourne for treatment and then coming back home. Whether they're required to quarantine for 14 days, I am not sure. So I will let you know. Oh, yeah. Keep us in the loop on that one. It'll be interesting because yeah. I think he was going either today or tomorrow. So we'll wait and see whether he comes back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well... He might. He, he will. He will come back. But it's just whether he uh, is required to stay home. Uh, the, the problem is, you know, the policing of all of this is just extraordinary. And um, I've heard complaints that if we go to an LGA or to a, you know, a hotspot lockdown, that that will be impossible to police. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we have people jumping on. I was texted yesterday, so the people are jumping on V line buses and trains with no one checking them in Melbourne. Yep. No one. Yep. And they're getting off in, Mil- in like off the bus in Robinvale, Mildura, Swan Hill. Swan Hill. That's yep. right. And, uh, you know, that's hugely problematic. I mean, what is Mr. Andrews doing about that? It seems to me that um, there is a, there's a, obviously a keen focus on locking down COVID in Melbourne, but not such a keen focus on making sure that people in Melbourne stay in Melbourne. Yeah. Which would be hugely problematic if, you know, without checks and things, it could be getting into the community here. And with people, as we've seen in the last week, uh, being more reluctant to be tested to try and get those numbers down, um, it, it could get into communities and we would never even know. Well, 
I don't think it would take too long to know because some people will get very, very sick. Mm. And once it, once it becomes apparent that someone is very sick and they've got COVID, then uh, all the alarm bells will ring. But obviously we would like to prevent that. And while we don't, you know, we love our visitors up from the south, uh, we would like to know that they are COVID safe mm. and we would like to remain COVID safe. So, you know, there need to be mechanisms put in place that currently are not in place to protect regional and rural areas. There really does. So, but I I think now, look, I've been optimistic and I have given Mr Andrews and his government the benefit of the doubt up until Sunday, but I think that's been dash now and any sense of optimism I had let is just about is just about gone, but hopefully there will be a solution sometime very, very soon, at least to lift the spirits of of us people up here doing the right thing. Yeah, look, I certainly hope so as well. I mean, at the moment, um, the the blanket lockdowns that we have or restrictions that we have, there are the, those people, that minority of people who say, no, 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 I'm really glad that they're there because we don't want COVID here. Well, the way we don't get COVID here is by making sure that there are appropriate barriers to people who might be in a COVID area coming and travelling to here. Mm. It's not by locking us down, it's by locking them down. Yeah. You know, we, we all want safety. We all want to have a COVID-free environment, which we enjoy, well, we would like to enjoy. Mm. Um, and, you know, the answer is not, it's not, it's not um, logical to say, therefore, we will lock down regional communities. No, lock down Melbourne. Yeah, and that's what lock we've down. been asking for for the last three months, just lock down Melbourne. Yep, pretty well. So, uh, look, there's a lot of work to be done, and if we have to live with this for a couple of years, one would hope that some sense would prevail and that we will have a hotspot targeted approach rather than these blanket restrictions that are causing so much grief. Mm. Yeah, that would be nice. And if we're going to be included in the same blanket as everybody else, how about he sends some state funding this way for our roads as well? That'd be nice too. That's my just my little elbow to the ribs <laughs> on the way out. Uh, yeah. Dr. Webster, thank you so much for giving us some time today in what I imagine is a horrendously busy week that you're having. We really do appreciate it. Um, and we are so glad that you are okay and okay at this stage. So please look after yourself. If you were here, I'd offer you an Are You Okay cupcake. Um, Oh, yum. I know. Loft 13 have sent us a a big tray of Are You Okay cupcakes, which is lovely for our live stream later this evening. So you'll have to tune in. Wonderful. Pour yourself a glass of wine and uh, enjoy the frivolity that will no, no doubt prevail tonight. But we thank you very much for giving us some time today and discussing all of these issues because we don't hear about our local issues and any of the information that's relevant to us in the mainstream media. So it's great that you can come and fill us in on what's happening in our patch. Thank you so much, Jade. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Vale podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.